Hey everyone, welcome to Beyond the Dance Floor podcast, a place to learn more about what goes on beyond what you see on the dance floor. It's about mentality, history, and how the skills you learn in breaking or the arts in general can apply more broadly to the rest of your life. Today we talk with one of my old friends from Japan, Makun, from the crew Fun Squad based in the Kansai area of Japan. Makun was one of the first people I ever teamed up with under the name of Moving Pictures and has since then become one of my lifelong friends. We talk about how he got into dance, his time in Vancouver, his current job as a tour guide in Kyoto, Japanese culture, Zen Buddhism history, and more. I really love talking with this guy, and it was a real blast to do this episode. And I hope you enjoy it too. Peace. All right, <laughs> we're we're here with my good friend Makun, uh, aka. Do you have any nicknames? Just Makun, right? Ma- Makun is a nickname. Yeah, Makun is a nickname. Your yeah. real name is Masaki, right? Right. Yeah, crazy. Nobody called me that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, what? That's a perfect spot to start out. Is uh, like how you how you got your name. Ah. I was like, that's all right. So, well, I used to live in Vancouver, Canada, and like I. I've been there for like what nine, ten years, mm-hmm. and Vancouver is an interesting city. There are a lot of like Asian people there, and in B-boy community especially, I think a lot of them like Japanese people. So like yeah, somebody I don't even remember they started saying like Masaki Kun. Like in Japan, you put kun at the end of your name to, you know, be more like to be friendlier. Yeah. You know, like Mike, Mikey kind of thing, right? Masaki kun. And like shorten, like ma kun. And Japanese people would say it's like ma kun. But like with like Canadian accent, it's like ema kun. Like, no, ma kun. They're like, oh, I got it. Oh, kun. Macoon. Yeah, Macoon. <laughs> and it's stuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I remember the first time I met you, I heard your name and I was like, what is his name? Macoon? Macoon? I've never heard a name like that before. Yeah. And then <laughs> you know when when you told me about your your real name and like Ma. Ma Kun and that kind of thing. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, you lived in. Well, actually, okay. Before we do that, uh, if you don't mind, maybe some people yes. don't know who you are. Yeah. You can kind of do like a little introduction of just really basic, whatever you want to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've never done this before, so I don't really know what to say. Just but, say okay. whatever you feel like. <laughs> So I'm Makun. I'm a b-boy. Um, I started dancing in Canada because I wanted to make more friends. <laughs> <laughs> Never knew I would go for like next, what, 15 years? 
by now? Who? Wait. Maybe. I when I met you, it was like two thousand two or three. So maybe two thousand three. UBC, right? Two thousand three or two thousand four? Yeah, let's go I had before. like kind of just started recently. Yeah. Maybe two thousand three. Yeah. Wow. It's been a while. It's been like almost like seventeen, eighteen years. Yeah. Crazy. I've been dancing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you started as a like hip hop dancer, right? Yeah, I always wanted to. Yeah, okay, it's fine. So I used to work under the table at this restaurant called Sushi Boy. Okay. <laughs> that was the only place I could work as a you know, under student visa because uh-huh. I was Japanese. I could you know work as a sous chef, mm-hmm. and one of my coworker was a dancer and he invited me to this open house for this dance studio, like Harbor Dance Center. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who they, was it, by the way? I don't think you know, his name is Mikio. <laughs> no. He's a hip hop dancer. He, he was only in Vancouver for about a year or so. Oh. Okay. And there was this like, yeah, there was this like b-boy session in the, you know, open house show and I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> and I really wanted to learn that. So I asked him to teach me and like, he just like took me to the studio and like, then I started taking this like hip hop dance lesson. I really want to do all that, you know, baby freeze and like handstand and everything but like, <laughs> of course it was all like music video kind of dance yeah which yeah. i enjoyed which i enjoyed but i i was like when am i gonna learn those things maybe this uh, is just a function and i will in the future we'll learn more like acrobatic stuff <laughs> so the whole time you wanted to learn breaking Oh yeah. Oh, I thought you chose like hip hop kind of studio dance first, and then no, covered no. Break- Oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I I thought I I had no knowledge about breaking or street dancing in general. Oh, I didn't know what's popping or like what's hip hop or what's you know breaking and anything so. I thought that was just a foundation of everything. You know, listen to music and like movie about it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, I see, I see. Now, how old were you when, when, you, when you started? Uh, pretty late. I was like 18. Did you, you, did you go to high school here? In, or not here, in Vancouver? Yeah, yeah, in, in Canada, in Vancouver. Oh, okay. Grade 11 and 12. And I started when I was in grade 12. Oh, yeah. Same then. Same as me. Oh, oh yeah. You're, you're older than me, aren't you? One year? Uh, I'm 37 by now. Oh, two years. Two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um... Sorry for my introduction. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's fine. Right. So that's this is how it goes. We just let okay. the conversation flow. So that made me. That, so that reminded me, like, when 
yeah, when you, when we first met and we were, yeah, getting to know each other. And I think, especially in the first few battles that we entered, like, what was that one? I think you entered with us. It was in my, my very first battle at, it was at SFU with that green floor. Yeah. And then, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not the two on two that we did together, but it was like a oh. crew battle with like Danny. Wasn't that like Chris. Battle Sea Jam? No, no, no. That was no? that was a different one. Was that the first one? <sighs> Where we battled against Filthy Feet, my now. Yeah, person. yeah, that, 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 that was that the first. Works. Yeah, that I think that's first one. What was that? <laughs> I don't even remember though. <laughs> Maybe it was either that. Or was this, yeah, SFU uh, battle? SFU. And we battled with the, the UBC like practice crew, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the people, like Yuji and, and did Joe enter with us? I think Joe did. He did. I think out. so. I think so. And he did some like hands to hand balance yeah. thing. <laughs> Danny was there and Chris, Chris and Simon entered with us. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. And I think Nick. Nick entered with us too. Good old time, like copper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was right. Yeah, when you had a battle and like everyone, well, it wasn't uncommon to see a popper in the crew, and Nick was always entering with us. Yeah, but anyway, we can reminisce a bit more about these in a bit. But the, what I wanted to get to was, uh, yeah, you. The first time I saw you and I saw you dance and stuff. I was like, I mean, I was still starting out. And I, I think what I got introduced to was a kind of more traditional breaking. But when I saw you and like how you dance and the ideas that you would come up with, I was like, what is this guy thinking? Like, I never would have thought of any of these ideas before. Like a uh, good example was that two on two, Fight Before Christmas, that two on two that we oh. You had the one round where you did something and then you like punched the ground or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> did something and I was like, who who thinks of that? Like that's so crazy. Not in a bad way, but like yeah, yeah I just cool. never would have thought that way. It's like when I see Mark. Mark does the same thing. You know? Yeah. Like, Why would you do that? But it's it's somehow you make it look good. Well, I didn't know you were thinking that way, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, maybe I'm kind of curious. Like, uh, <laughs> it sounds so stupid. Like, where, where do these kinds of, like, this, this thinking come from? Yeah, um, that's, that's a tough question because I... <laughs> It's kind of a stupid question, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough question. I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, like, now, I, when I think of a move, I have, like, certain way to kind of come up with a new move and everything. You know, like, I think, like, a lot of people are doing, like, you take just a foundational step of move. Yeah, yeah. like think about like how can I change this like maybe my hand position maybe just a 
angle of my face or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, those kind of things. But I guess, like, talking about way back in the day, maybe, maybe. I have no idea. I think that's why, like, I have no idea about what's foundation or, like, yeah, what uh, hip-hop or what's popping or what's breaking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I was talking with Nathan. Do you remember Nathan from our crew? Filthy feet. Filthy feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was talking with him, and yeah, we kind of got onto the subject. He was talking about Victoria and how Victoria's scene started, and kind of what made Victoria Victoria their mm -hmm. style was like they didn't have any idea what breaking was, except for this one guy who was teaching all of them, Steve. And yeah. He his reference for what breaking was was like Beat Street, and he just had Beat Street, <laughs> and like they had no clue about what was going on in Vancouver or anything like that. And they just like so they had this one idea of what breaking was, and they like that they just ran with that. And so, and because it's kind of like they they were isolated from all the other scenes. Um, that led them to develop like a certain way of moving. And when they finally went to their first jam in, in Vancouver, it was like, they were so different and they really stood out. And like, mm. you know, maybe that's, yeah, kind of the same thing happened with you, right? You have no, no frame of reference of what it's supposed to be like or what you should do or shouldn't do. Yeah, I think one thing is like, I was always, trying to be different mm -hmm. in many ways like I'm, I'm not only talking about dancing like mm. the very first reason i came i went to canada it's like i want I, because i wanted to be different i wanted to do something different from the others like I, typical japanese people or something yeah and i'm from a countryside of aichi prefecture and the, of course, nobody who are, you know, saying like, I'm gonna go study abroad or something. I thought oh, that's yeah. a cool idea. <laughs> yeah. And like, I always liked like, you know, TV dramas, like Hollywood movies and everything. I was like, oh, Indiana Jones. And like, I, to live in America, it'd be cool. Yeah. And, you know, English will be useful for my future and everything too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So like, I guess like when I started dancing, like that kind of mentality was already there. Like, of course I want to do that cool move, but still I kind of do something different. Mm. So you already had that mentality of be different. Oh. At least trying, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then yeah. like, but then like, I went to Canada and like I when I first like I still remember like April 9th like 1999 like I was on the plane I was like so proud of myself like now I'm really going to Canada like I'm 16 years old studying abroad like I'm off the hook kind of thing right but that's kind of then, that's yeah. more more rare in Japan right to go somewhere when you're so young 
and stay for so long, right? I think so. Well, yeah, like, like now, welcome on, I guess, but like but, 20 but years ago. <laughs> even then, it's usually people, usually, it's people yes. in like university or something, right? Yeah. And do like a year abroad or something yeah. and then come back but, and finish university years. But yeah. you were there for like 10, 10 years. Almost, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but but then like I started going to this high school, and there were some Japanese people, and like, oh, like, man, like this thirteen-year-old girl. I was in a like I was in an ESL class first, mm-hmm. and this like thirteen-year-old girl just speaks perfect English, and like, and she's Japanese, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like I, I feel like I'm so special. Like going to Canada, like I, you know, studying by myself in this foreign country. But this, there are a lot of people who are already better than me. Kind of feel. <laughs> That's a good lesson. I think so, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you can. Well, I mean. You know, to an extent, it's good to think like you're at least a little bit special, right? But really, yeah. you know, nobody's special. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, even though you know someone who's really good at something, they're probably really bad at other things, and someone else is much, much better than them. And you yeah, know, it's a good humbling experience, right? <laughs> And that's totally applied for breaking too, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you maybe like, like when I first started, like I was the only guy in my school doing this dance. And like, mm. oh, I'm like, I'm pretty good. But like when I find Robson Square, yeah. finally, yeah. And like met all other, you know, local B boys, I'm like, wow, these guys are good. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, I think like when we started, it hadn't quite hit the the YouTube era. Like YouTube was just starting out or like, yeah, when I first started, we didn't have YouTube. Yeah, it was just people like, I don't know, filming cats or things like that or whatever, like Mark Siller making stupid flipping videos <laughs> or something like whatever. But there was no people sharing videos or like making their own breaking videos and putting them on YouTube. And like, yeah, you know, it was just you either bought this DVD for like fifty bucks. Yeah, that was that was what you watched for the next year or something like that. <laughs> um, or you found a website and like you had to download the the video onto your oh, computer style to <laughs> yeah right yeah and i remember like my internet wasn't super great and so it took i mean the first time i was trying to do it until we upgraded it was so slow and it took like a day to download something <laughs> a day 56k by per sec kind of thing <laughs> yeah something like that right it was crazy but uh, yeah, and actually this kind of relates back to the talk that I had with Nathan about like, you know, we were kind of talking about how everything, you know, th- these days, 
you're exposed to so much and you can see anything and you can be influenced by everything. But, and that's great. You know, you can pick and choose from all kinds of things and you can learn about all these different movements, different dance styles, whatever, right? That's cool. But at the same time, it's also kind of not, how can I say? It's not like, it makes you sort of not special because you're just taking from everything. Right. Yeah. Sometimes when you like pick and choose or when you're limited in what you're, what's available to you, you're forced to work with that thing and it makes you, mm-hmm. it gives you more like direction in a way. And like the way I put it, I forget who I was talking to and maybe this will come up in the previous thing once I get to editing them. But it was like, you know, you take uh, blue and yellow and you mix them together and you'll get a new color green, right? Yeah. Right. Is that right? Blue, yellow, green. Yeah. But if you take like all the colors and mix those together, you kind of don't really get, you get like some crappy gray, whatever, like brown, gray, something weird color. It's not really like anything, right? Yeah. He was saying like, yeah, living in Victoria and, and it was like, they'd go somewhere and they'd learn something or they they'd go to another jam or some other city or whatever and they would kind of be exposed to new things but then they'd come back to victoria and go back to that like isolation kind of thing mm-hmm. close themselves off again and be like okay we have this new stuff okay let's work with it in this environment it's not like constant uh constantly being like bombarded by new things and new styles and this kind of stuff it's like they could take that back and then take time to develop it and create something new yeah yeah i i actually think yeah like mainly my mentality like fundamentally it's very similar to what you just said like i think like you should always look inside of you rather than look outside of you kind of thing hmm. but at the same time um you know my big influence as a b-boy is of course like vancouver and local scene because i started out there mm-hmm. and i think my foundation is still there mm-hmm. in ways of thinking especially but my i'll say that's mm, the second biggest, well, like as big influence for me is once I came back to Japan. And now I live in Kyoto and like my best friends are like body carnival, mm-hmm. whose mentality are quite different. Yeah. Quite different. Yeah. Like, but then it's really interesting, like, you know, like Kazuki Rock. Mm-hmm. Like, he's probably known to be one of the most unique people in the world yeah. today. Or like uh, Assassin. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, yeah, yeah. crazy, flexible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything. One thing I was really surprised when I first started talking to them, especially Kabuki, is like, you know, or a lot of people ask him, like, how do you come up with those moves and everything? Like, how do you practice and everything? Then 
I don't know now he might be changing, but like at least for a long time, he was like, watch a lot of YouTube video. Hmm. Watch a lot of people's moves. Hmm. So you know what's out there. But then like, of course, like you don't, you don't want to look like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually really, I guess, actually really study them and like how they are making up these moves, like under what kind of concept behind uh, and apply it to myself. Like in Kazuki Rock case, like I have long arms and like super flexible like hips and everything. Uh-huh. Taking advantage of this, like how can I change mm. the move in my way kind of thing? I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, then like, you know, you know the outcome, like some yeah. weird, crazy stuff. So, so his approach at the beginning was just to watch a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then take it in his, his own way. and Yeah. So like that work. was like totally new for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I think like, that way of thinking now is the standard. Uh, not to say that people are not original. But like, well, it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of like what I was saying. When you, when you mix everything, it ends up being kind of the same. It, the product is the same thing. You get that kind of gray <laughs> brown, right? When everyone yeah. is taking from all of these same sources, even if it's everything, but they're watching like all the popular people or whatever, and they're taking all these things, like, people end up doing kind of the same stuff. But when you have someone who's like, yeah, not necessarily taking from a lot of things, but like maybe more specific, I think, in what they're mm-hmm. choosing to be inspired by or whatever, then you get just really strange people. Like, well, it's hard for me to say because I don't know their influences, but like, like mm-hmm. Mark. Mark is a good example of like, you know, a lot of that stuff is like, yeah, just his own, his own way of thinking and like maybe how he grew up and, and his own mentalities that he's developed over the years and he mm-hmm. might like a move, but it gets reproduced in its like Mark way of his way of thinking. Yeah, I don't know. And so, yeah, when I don't know, who knows? Who knows what the right way of creating is? But yeah, that's kind of what yeah. I think. It's like if you're more specific in what you do, you can come up with more unique stuff. I guess. Yeah, and you know, kind of relating to that, like. Um, when I first came back to Japan, I like b-boy scene wide, it was a kind of big culture shock in a way. Mm. Because I, I got actually really confused and like I kinda didn't know what direction I should improve to, you know. I, I kinda yeah. got into that phase too. Yeah. Like, you know, we're talking about originality now, but 
I felt like um, I was trying, you know, like famous phrase, like it's not what you do, but it's about how you do it. Mm-hmm. Like I was really focusing on, you know, trying, like I was really trying to be original uh. in every, everything I do. Uh-huh. Like just the one top rock step or like just six steps, CC, whatever, yeah. like my way, yeah. kind of originality. I was looking for that. Uh-huh. But then, Yeah, I came back to Japan like well, like two thousand eight. Yeah. Um. I feel like I might be wrong, but I feel like the originality here was different. Originality means like original moves or a different move. It's about the move mm-hmm. that other people don't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, and also the theme being really big here, mm-hmm. like nowadays it's getting, like, it's getting scattered. That's a right word. Like, oh, really? There are more and more, yeah, there are more and more jumps everywhere. So, like, I think competitors, number of competitors in each jam is smaller. But, like, when I actually first came back, like 2008, nine. Like you go into a two-on-two battle, there are like two hundred and plus competitors. Huh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. And of course, the prelim round is like, you know, you have to compete against like twenty others, yeah. right? Yeah. And you only have one round to show a good stuff. Yeah. And my case, I was not good enough to stand out with just doing basic moves uh, yeah. with my own originality. And while others are like throwing like some, I don't know, crazy flexible style, or like crazy air flare directly onto your head kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what, where I got really confused, like, should I maybe learn bigger move? Mm. Because, you know, I go to a jam, I only have one chance to dance. And like, of course I have Cypher and everything. Cypher, sure, like I can have a lot of fun, but like, back then, especially you have a different story. Like when I go to a competition, I want to do well in a competition too. Uh, yeah. So there I was kind of like, that's where I couldn't be like, so straight up, like, oh, I'm a, I don't care. Like I be enjoying Cypher. Like if I was that guy, maybe it was different, mm-hmm. but maybe, no, I don't care about Cypher. I be really into competition. So I will practice the bigger move. Mm-hmm. If I was like that, I could have been different, but like I was in between, I didn't know which is the right direction for me. Mm-hmm. Really confused. Yeah. 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 And I guess, like, after all, it's all good. It was like a development process. It was a learning experience, after all. But yeah, I lost my point. (laughs) (laughs) 
gonna say something that is important to me, but yeah, lost it. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think what what was kind of interesting to me when you were, <laughs> when you were talking about that, trying to find the, your your point, was like. <laughs> I lost my point. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, J Japan's uh, style, I don't know. I always thought it's kind of not weird. What's the word? Well, Japan has always had this kind of very different approach. Not approach, mm -hmm. like very unique way of moving and, and kind of breaking like as long as i've known breaking as long as i've been exposed to breaking like you would see okay yeah these people are from you know yeah there's like regional styles and stuff and there still are to an extent but japan yeah. was always this like this place like all the all the dancers that came from there just had this like completely different way of thinking about it even if they're they were doing like the traditional steps and stuff mm -hmm. this is like circus style aside that's that was like the most crazy strange breaking that i've ever <laughs> seen but like when i think about when i started out yeah you had you had like west coast people and some european people and like but they were kind of still in this realm of breaking and then you would see the Japanese dancers like um, the first one that I ever saw was Bronx. Yeah. And like there was just this way of moving that was like so different and like kind of wild and crazy. And uh, and then the, after that, it was like Waseda breakers that I saw. And they're like building these structures of people <laughs> out of people and like doing all this crazy yeah. stuff. And like, yeah, I always wondered about, this is kind of coming back again to that idea of like isolation and how Japan mm -hmm. is like, you know, they went through that, and I got this from you, they went through that period of like, you know, before there was a lot of interaction with maybe China or Korea or some other places and that's when you get like the influence of kanji and the influence of um, chopsticks and a lot of things or whatever, right? But then there, then there was that period of time where they closed themselves off from like the world, basically. Yeah. And that's when a lot of like uniquely Japanese things came yeah. out, right? Yeah, always. Yeah, and so I kind of think, I've always wondered like, and in a lot of ways, even now, like, yeah people are international and people travel and stuff but there's something about and i always talk about this with my friends and and people that live here like in a lot of ways japan is still kind of like closed off in some senses like mm. you know and so i wonder if that's like what kind of has led to this still sort of unique ish way of approaching the dance and unique way of moving within the dance like it still always has this like kind of wild and slightly like when i think of like 
good form and all this stuff. Yeah. There's really good dancers in Japan, but for me, there's something a lot of times like the form looks kind of off and it's not mm. bad, but it's just not what I think of as like clean form. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it looks kind of unpolished, not unpolished, like not perfect. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. I, I definitely do like. Yeah. Um... Actually, and it's making me think about the the idea of like wabi sabi, <laughs> and how that's like part of Japanese culture. And maybe even though some people don't really care about that or whatever, and they don't pay attention to it, but like. Maybe they, maybe because it's so such a part of Japan, like it just creeps into the breaking. Uh, uh, maybe you can you can explain to people that don't know like what what is wabi sabi, because even I'm kind of unsure. Okay, so what well, easy way to understand? I would say the beauty of imperfection. Yeah, like you know, people try to be perfect, but especially in Japan. Trains always be on time. Mm -hmm. Everything aligns like so nicely and everything. But then you never be perfect, but you strive to be so perfect, and the process is just so beautiful, kind of thing. That's why you know <laughs> it's my joke kind of thing. <laughs> you know, you look at Japanese garden. Oh, garden. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like uh, you know, you go to Japanese temple and like shrine and nice garden yeah it's always random or like asymmetric yeah you know you go to like western style gardens you have a palace in the middle and like it's perfectly like yeah or central. the flowers are perfectly arranged in this group yes. or something like that yeah. yeah but japan values like imperfection and like randomness so like you know potteries are always like very rough and like yeah or like crooked or something like that yeah garden or like people like they value like being people it's like you know perfect there's no such thing as perfect human maybe perfect human is imperfect mm. kind of thing which is true that's i think so you know yeah you know i know and since Cause like you were the one that kind of really explained it to me and got me to understand it a bit better. And uh, like after that, whenever I see stuff from Japan, like I notice these kind of things and maybe it's like, it's not all the, all the time, but when it happens, it, I notice it more, but like, so I started re uh, watching wrestling again recently <laughs> or regularly <laughs> and, and like the, the, promotion that i watch they have some japanese wrestlers and i look at the way their costumes are and most like wrestling costumes they were they're very symmetrical and they're very even and stuff but all the japanese wrestlers would have like it would be like uh they'd have like one shoulder pad and then it goes down <laughs> here and there's like instead of like a full sort of skirt it's like half a skirt and it's very yeah like uneven and and things are crooked and like this kind of thing and i just thought like that's 
that's such a I don't know like representation of Japan like a perfect representation of Japan yeah, yeah I, I actually do think a lot of Japanese people feel aesthetic in that kind of things mm-hmm. because like deep in our culture we see those things as beautiful from like when we are a kid right yeah but, like of course like I don't think really nobody try to value wabi-sabi or anything unless you are like traditional artist or anything yeah yeah but then like still like when you think something is beautiful it might be under wabi-sabi concept and i wouldn't be surprised if it's like that Mm. yeah but it's you know it's weird like this imperfection and things are not even and not the same and asymmetrical right but then you look at like the typical business area in japan and it's like a sea of the same businessman (laughs) same suit same whatever (laughs) japan is interesting because there are a lot of double standards like that yeah yo since you told me that that one time in osaka when like yeah First time we were hanging out in Osaka, I can't like stop thinking about it, stop seeing it all over Japan. <laughs> you know, like like that's a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, of course you know, but like we have an expression, right? Like if you have a male standing out, you get hammered down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really famous. Yeah. Yeah, so like traditionally it's changing, but traditionally in the education, like don't be different, like you know, but be that, the person next to you. Yeah, but the, even that, like, you know, there's, of course, there's always people who want to be different and stuff like that. But when I was living in Vancouver and like the people that would come to, from Japan that would come to live in, in Vancouver, so like so many of them were like these really strange personality (laughs) people and like especially when they drink well okay this is the guys most of the girls are pretty normal (laughs) But, but the guys would like become these like crazy animal people not like beating people up but like i'd never seen people act that way and they would like I don't know, like Hybe is a perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, not a normal, he's, he's an amazing guy, right? I love that guy to death, but like, you know, he's kind of a strange guy, right? <laughs> yeah, in a, good, in a good way, right? But, you know, that's like, he stands out a lot. And especially like when he was in Vancouver and stuff that he would do, or like, um, Jose or or I don't know if you know those guys maybe they came after you but anyway it's some of these other guys and like yeah just doing crazy stuff and and not they they weren't your like typical image of like what a Japanese person is like yeah yeah and yeah that's totally like one of the double standards I'm talking about like don't be different but like you know, those like 
what do you call it, like suppressed pressure or whatever. Like, don't be different. Don't be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've been said all the time. Then finally, when you are out there, it's, you go out crazy. Yeah, like. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes in a very good way, like, you know, if you think of a company like Nintendo, yeah. Toyota, like, yeah, Japan yeah. company is like, you know, the most unique stuff in the world. Yeah, that's the thing too, is like, you have this, everyone has this image of the, the Japanese businessman and, you know, like they all, everyone looks the same and they, whatever, right? Yeah. Like you said, Japan has led, they've create. it's like one of the most unique and at the same time, yeah, uniform countries, cultures. That I've ever <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it doesn't, when you, the deeper you get into learning about Japan, you know, the less it makes sense. And you're like, what is happening? Like, I don't <laughs> understand anything. Like the best example too, that everyone thinks before they visit Japan or before they live in Japan is everyone thinks Japan is this like really high technology, like super technology, technologically advanced country. Mm-hmm. And then you live here and like, nothing is digital and everything is on paper and like you got to stamp this thing to like sign in to work or well depending where you work right but yeah for me when i come into work i have to like i stamp a thing <laughs> to sign in yeah. and like no some people know how to use computers or they know how to use it really basically but there's some people like who their work I don't know, they're not that old and they just kind of like are so useless with computers uh there's like real lack of embrace of technology for a lot of people <laughs> like i would i would see people with like flip phones and stuff yeah and you know maybe there's a trend recently with that but you know like i can't understand what's going on yeah, it's it's an interesting country. Like, yeah. yeah, like you said, like when you get FedEx and everything, you still use your seal yeah, yeah. instead of signature. And yeah. like when you you have to have an official seal, yeah, to you know, like get mortgage and everything. Yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. super analog sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, but like that's the that's the crazy interesting thing about the country is like how strange and baffling it is. Like everyone always says, there's there's kind of something about Japan that I don't know draws people in. Yeah. More than more than just like the simple like samurai <laughs> and, and ninjas and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, like, like it's it's weird because Japan has influenced a lot of a lot of things. And like yeah, yeah. Recently, uh, I well, maybe not recently. Like in the last like a decade or or a few decades or whatever, a couple decades like zen buddhism actually has a lot of influence in a lot yeah. of things. yeah you know maybe 
can you speak a bit about, are you, do you know much about Zen? A little bit, yes. Yeah. Okay, maybe, I'm kind of interested in like, yeah, Japan and the kind of like approach to basics, learning basics that they have and like foundation and stuff like that. Because I, from what I've read in Zen, like, you know, you should really, what is it like? Basics are very important. And if you don't know what to do, like, just go back to, what is it, Zazen? Like, just go back to the basic sitting and just sit and do that. And like, just practice that and practice and practice and practice, practice that. Or like, in schools, some like older ways of thinking about English is like, okay, here's the vocabulary. Now just drill it and say it a bunch of times. Or like writing kanji, it's like, <laughs> write this kanji a hundred times and like drill it and just get the basics down, 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 down. Yeah. Well, then, um, so, okay. So first of all, I'm, I'm a national government license tour guide. So I'm an expert of Japanese culture. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> no expert. Still, still a student. I'm still learning a lot of things. But um, oh, yeah. so then, um, so for us, there then is kind of a Buddhism. You know, in English, you say, sorry, kind of Buddhist practice. Yeah. In certain Buddhism, and a lot of you know English speakers, they would say, "Oh, I feel so Zen." Oh, yeah. now it's so zen, like you know, in a sense of like I feel so peaceful or like yeah, I yeah. feel so calm and like relaxed. Yeah. But then originally it's actually a practice by certain monks. Mm. And their ultimate goals were to come to enlightenment. And through meditation. So that doesn't like you sit in a lotus position often and you meditate. Mm -hmm. But a lot of like North American people think that when you meditate, you should try to be empty, like not think about anything. Yes, for certain sect of Buddhism, like certain style of Buddhism promotes that to come to enlightenment. And the other sects, um, they promote people to think a lot, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. And in Kyoto, it's called the Rinzai sect anyway, um, mm. by the way. But this style is more popular. So the process is a little bit different, but the ultimate goals are different. Like. You know, if the, one monk say if the enlightenment, enlightenment is like being a circle, try to be empty, like from the middle point, you just aim to be circle. Okay, I know it doesn't make sense right now. Okay, okay. But then the other thing you should think a lot. Okay, first you have a dot in the middle and you think a lot in one topic and you come to the answer of this topic and you got the dot closer to the circle and you think about the other topics 
and you're a little bit closer to the circle. Maybe you make a square soon, you make like octagons, and you little by little you go closer to closer and closer to the circle to enlightenment. Hmm. And actual example would be like you sit, you actually have a kind of like a quiz or test. You know, you see, you actually look at a picture or something, where you look at the rock garden and keep thinking, like, what is this? Or like, famous question, <laughs> this is a crazy question. Uh, one question is like, does a dog have a heart of Buddha? <laughs> really, really. This is an actual test. Huh. You just like, sit there, meditate, and keep thinking about that. Or if you you accept you are like farming and you accidentally cut this worm into half. Which side of the worm has a heart? <laughs> huh. Yeah, crazy like questions like this, but interesting thing is uh, these tests actually have a have an answer. It has hmm. one exact answer. Hmm. So you, you just gotta keep thinking about it, and you come to you know that answer. But then you know, of course, like these like monks or like head monks who trained you, you know, you will be a student and you go like, oh, okay, I got the answer. Uh, yes, dog has a Buddha's heart because they, the dog is so innocent or whatever. <laughs> okay. And the monk would say like, neither right nor wrong. Like you, you have to come to that one answer by yourself. And that's the one answer. Yeah, and you, you that's the one answer. And you just have to experience this process. Uh, so, so the answer is <laughs> maybe individual, right? Well, according to them, according to them, one ultimate answer <laughs> okay. that everybody come to. <laughs> but, okay. yeah so yeah crazy tell you right yeah but you know these things are interesting but what's more interesting to me though is like how zen got popular so okay <laughs> well, it's kind of like a history class or something <laughs> no it's interesting i'm sure people will like it Okay, so, you know, Buddhism is a major religion in Japan, uh -huh. but think about Japan way back in the day, like, you know, let's say 1,000 years ago. This country experiences like 30 typhoons a year and like almost every day of earthquakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know that summertime in Japan, like it's like 40 degrees with like 80% humidity. And back then, they had no clue why they had been tortured like that. Oh. And there's no like fridge or no air conditioner there. In summertime, especially, they have epidemics and like food poisonings right. everywhere. 
So people are really devastated, actually. Yeah, yeah. So the, it was natural for them to kind of have an ultimate goal to go to heaven in the next life. This, this life is just too awful. There must be a better life hmm. after this. So we got to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, we have to worship. And to worship, you like worship God. Like to worship, easy way to understand is like, harder the work you do, it's the more worshiping you're doing. Hmm. So like level one would be like, you pay a visit to a temple. That's easy, but that's still worship. And level two, it's like you actually carve a statue of Buddha or something. That's hard work. And ultimate is like level three, you actually build a temple and a shrine. So people are doing a lot, doing a lot of that and there are temples and shrines everywhere. I'm sure like in the neighborhood, there are a lot of shrines too, right? Yeah. 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 But then if you think about it again, it's only for rich people. Building a shrine and a temple, that costs a lot of money. Yeah. So like, and of course, like there's only like, you know, less than 10% of population who are very rich. So 90% of people are devastated. Mm. Then, I'm sorry, I'll be very technical, but 1053, <laughs> <laughs> okay. this, is, this is crazy interesting. So 1053 is known, was it 1052? 1053, well, either way, okay. was considered to be the end of the world in Buddhism. Oh. Okay, I know, it's crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, like, you know, it's like around 2,500 years after Buddha's death, uh -huh. people just forget about Buddha's teaching and they just, no Buddha's teaching in Buddhism equals like chaos. So people just do whatever they want, they be so selfish, and just mm -hmm. end of the world. Mm -hmm. And people are extra devastated, like, it's end of the world? But we can't build a shrine, we can't go to heaven. Only rich people could go. Oh, yeah. So after that, like there's a, there was a revolution, this guy came in, they're like, hey, that's just not fair. Mm -hmm. He went to study to China to study Buddhism and like, I learned a lot of things that like Buddhism or like the savior should be available for everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I came up with this idea. You just chant a prayer and everybody will be okay. Everything will be okay. Just chant a prayer, it's an instant ticket to heaven. Hmm. Kind of thing. So of course it got really popular. Yeah, anyone can do it, right? Yeah. But then, you know, if you think about it, that's like totally relying on somebody else. Like you are not making any effort. <laughs> yeah. After that is how Zen became popular. Yeah, with samurai and everything too. Like they always, they always have to deal with life and death, and they are known to be very disciplined. Mm. 
like, you know, let's not be so easy. Like, don't rely on the others. Like, you come to your own enlightenment. Like, you have to discipline yourself to go to heaven. Well, then to go to heaven back in the day is like pretty much equals to come to enlightenment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, phase of Japan was like the, like, only for rich people, mm. they could go, they could be good. Or like, now everybody easily can go to heaven, but like, no, 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 no that's, that's not right. You have to have a discipline. Mm-hmm. You have to work hard. Yeah. And that's how Zen got really popular. And I think that has a strong, like, impact to this day too, like. Yeah. Like well, discipline. When I, when I read this, the, this book about Zen, the whole time I'm reading it, and they're talking about, yeah, like, um, yeah, the importance of kind of like basics or always come back to the basics or like simplicity and uh, and they even talked about like um yeah like the right posture when you when you yeah right and you need the straight back and 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 even like the lotus position whatever with your legs like like this just kind of position and they said like you know even if it hurts you try to do it like (laughs) <laughs> as best you can try and like uh it's got, i don't know maybe i'm remembering it wrong but it was almost like you become like comfortable with the pain and you just, yeah. like even though your back hurts you just endure it kind of thing and like so many of these things that came up in that book i thought about and maybe it's the education system in Japan, but like a lot of stuff was like, oh, this stuff is like comes from Zen. Like mm-hmm. all the Japanese students have to have a certain, they're supposed to sit a certain way, like a certain posture. They don't lean back in their seats or they're not supposed yeah. to, to like sit up straight, this kind of thing. And like, yeah, drilling the basics and like when they clean the schools, maybe it depends on the school one of my schools the students aren't supposed to talk at all uh, to clean in silence and i asked one of the teachers like why why do they do that why are they not allowed to talk why does it have to be in like silence and he said oh as best he could his english wasn't that good but he was like yeah it's like coming it comes from zen and it's like you you learn it's like teaching the students to like notice others and notice the things that are happening around them and like you don't need to tell the person hey can you help me or ask the person do you need help you just look and understand what's going on and then you just do it like you realize the person needs help and you just go and help them yeah and also like Big part of them, as long as that Kyoto style, yeah. Kyoto's major style, is that you focus on one thing, and uh, yeah. also it's a, it's nothing special. Like a lot of these, like Zen training is like housework. 
Mm, like yeah. you said, cleaning. Yeah. Or like, you know, cooking. Mm-hmm. Well, those like everyday things. Yeah. And they just like focus on one thing. Yeah. And it actually makes a different of a different. Like, you know, if you think about a meal, like it makes a big difference if you really focus on the flavor and eat it versus you watch YouTube and like eat whatever, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it tastes different. Yeah, like, and I think it's, yeah, some of our talks from before about, I think when I was visiting Kyoto and you took me to some of these temples and we talked about Zen culture and it being kind of, Zen Buddhism kind of being ingrained a bit into like the culture, maybe from like samurai times and this kind of thing. But yeah, like when I think about it, you know, like the idea of dedication and discipline and, and um, yeah, like the importance of basics and simplicity and, Uh, imperfection and there's so many things that actually you can learn from that and apply to your life to kind of help you and and anything that you do too like learning any skill or whatever like if you approach it like when I think of imperfection like you know maybe more so in the west or I'm not sure about Japan but like a lot of people they get a situation where they don't know they don't start something sometimes because they it it feels too overwhelming like well how do i get to that point like i can't i can't do that it's it's too perfect they're thinking like i have to be this perfect kind of person or whatever to to be able to do that when the reality is like everyone is has their flaws and no one is this perfect being and um yeah everyone everyone has their their imperfections and that's just part of life and nothing is really perfect and like yeah basics and i got really into basics again since i moved here (laughs) and like yeah trying to take like one step and make it into many different steps or and not even like that was one thing that came up in that book that I read was you know the goal is to reach enlightenment, right? Yeah. But the moment that you you like tell yourself that you're trying to reach enlightenment, you're not gonna reach enlightenment. Mm. <laughs> and it's the whole thing of like learning to well, in the book, they call it emptiness. I think they call it emptiness. But it's like, it's not blank. It's not like, don't think or something. It's this idea of like, just being. <laughs> Which I yeah. think is kind of universal uh, Buddhism kind of thing. Yeah. Like, just be. But you can still think. But it's you're not thinking about the fact that you're thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I the do. moment that you do that, you get taken out of it and you're no longer like meditating or you're no longer on that path to enlightenment or whatever. 
I think it's hard for us to talk about it because we haven't come to enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But like. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's one of the most interesting things these days for me, for me. Yeah, it's definitely a nice lesson, I think. It's, you know, everybody knows, like, they sometimes should reflect themselves. And, but it's, people know these things, but it's hard to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to actually practice it, so. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, and it comes back to that, like, oh, I don't know where to start and, you know, how do I get to that crazy thing that's at the end of the goal? Like, that's my goal is this crazy thing that I want to do. And, but I feel, it feels so far. And like, one thing that came up too was like, incremental steps get a little bit better than you were before. And it takes a long time to get there. And like, the thing that I was reading the other day, this is not Zen, but it was just about learning stuff and what motivates humans and stuff is this idea of mastery and feeling like you're, you're working towards mastering something. Yeah. But the way they put it is in mastering, mastering something is not, uh, it's something that you will never reach completely. And that's what yeah. makes it frustrating, but also kind of uh, like attractive because yeah. it's, it's the goal that never ends, right? And so you're always moving forward into something, but kind of never reaching it, but getting closer and closer and closer and closer. But yeah, it's those little step-by-step -step things. And it's like, it's, I guess, sort of the the goal isn't the important thing. It's, it's the cliche thing of yeah. the goal is not important. It's the, the journey to it. Yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I think it's very true. And like it applies to many different things. Like, you know, was a, was a poor one. I don't know. You know, yeah. Oh, like always be student kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. A student for life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's always good to remember those things. And again, like nowadays, like what I think is like we actually practice it. Like there are a lot of like, like, you know, especially with like YouTube and like social media too. Like there are a lot of like life lessons and like, like quote of today and everything yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like everywhere and they are all really good yeah but then i now that i try to really practice it like when i yeah find something good i actually do it and yeah. that's sometimes very hard and like of course like i'm yeah. i'm not perfect either so like i slack off sometimes but then I'm back at it again. Mm -hmm. It's always like good to remember and actually practice it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, yeah, I kind of think most people, well, 
I think deep down, people don't want to be lazy forever. You know? Yeah. Like, and I think part of it is getting kind of like deep, getting into like deep conversation. But these days, what I think is like, and I've read it in a lot of other places too, is like the idea that we die, that we're going to die somewhere that gives, when you can really understand that idea that you, your life will end for real, not like, Oh yeah, I'm going to die sometime in the future. It's going to happen when I'm 90 and I, and you don't think about it when it's real in your head and you realize that it's going to happen that gives you some kind of purpose and drive. Like I got to do something with my time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I think the people who are, who do, who are just lazy and they don't do anything, they don't have that in their head of like, Mm -hmm. you could die tomorrow kind of thing. And they think, Oh yeah, I'll just, whatever it is I, I have to do or that thing that I want to do, I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And like, that's the mentality of, yeah, I'm going to live forever. You know, because yeah. I have forever and I don't, there's no worry. I'll always have tomorrow. But if you have that mentality, like you're never going to do anything. You always just put it. It's so easy to just put it off and put it off. But if you have this mentality of like, I have this much time, like, that I'm going to exist. So I better use that time well. And whatever I decide to do, and it doesn't even have to be like, I have to save the world. I have to cure world hunger. Whatever you do, do, like, do it <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> time. yeah. I don't even know how we got to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Being I mean, lazy. Yeah being lazy and or disciplined and that kind of stuff so yeah i think yeah. people who are disciplined maybe they or maybe they don't think about death but like they realize that you know i don't have forever kind of thing mm. this thing has to get done or I, if i want to do this thing i've got to i've got to actually start taking steps towards it and that kind of thing yeah that's a uh, deep stuff. Hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thing to think about too, though. Like you know, we are still very young, and like death is hard to feel close. Well, yeah, like I, you know, maybe I, maybe now with like the coronavirus, yeah. Well, that's people. that's the thing too. You you know, with that, that's a good example. Like for a lot of people, when it first starts in the, their country like it's not real it's not gonna Just do anything fall. you know like oh, okay and then it starts to kind of slowly come up and you're like oh well okay it's not gonna hurt me but it's only like old people or something but i'm not gonna catch it and then you start mm -hmm. to kind of realize like you can make these connections that you know if i catch it and then i go visit my parents like they can catch it and like that connects something there and like okay now death is becoming a little more real and a little yeah. more real and a little more real and then now like you know 
that's in the US it's it's really serious and and causing yeah. all kinds of weird <laughs> strange problems yeah. and strange things yeah and strange behavior but you know I guess it's putting people into action, but for what kind of action? I'm not sure. Like, if it's good. Yeah, good and bad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so, you know, but I, yeah, I think it's a lot of that when, when it can become more and more real to you. Like, I think about, for me, my case is my brother, right? When he passed yeah. away, up to that point, you know, I knew, I know people die or I knew people die, but it wasn't real. And then when he passed away, it became real. Like, Oh damn, this can actually happen and it can happen at any time. Mm. And, you know, that was like a huge turning point where right. you, know, you, you kind of wake up and you see the world in a new way. The way I think about it is actually kind of like, like reincarnation. Like <laughs> after that day or after that time, like the old me, whatever I thought, like they kind of, they don't exist anymore. And I have this like kind of new life now. I saw everything in a new way, but of course I still have my, all of my previous experience, but I just saw things in this completely new way that it was like a, in a sense, a new life. You one step closer to enlightenment, I guess. <laughs> Maybe, hopefully. Yeah, uh, can't hope for it. You got to rid yourself yeah. of desires. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yo, know, that was really. I didn't know that about. Um, like, it's that's a specific Kyoto branch of Buddhism. Um, no, well, there are headquarters in Kyoto, but they are everywhere in Japan. Uh, yeah, there are like you know some major sects of Buddhism, uh -huh. and some are in some headquarters are in Kyoto, and the others are in like Fukui. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like 1240 now. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Maybe that's a good point. And we can finish off. We finished off with some pretty deep, heavy stuff. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it wasn't too, too far for people or whatever, or hopefully it made sense. <laughs> I, I hope it's okay. I don't we just talked about many different stuff I <laughs> yeah it's totally fine that's that's kind of what i want out of this stuff is it go the conversation you know it's a buddhist approach to <laughs> an interview is just let it be and uh -huh. don't try and control it and steer it in a certain way you let it yeah. let it take the course that it's going to take and and don't think about oh, where can I actually, this is a, it's a really interesting thing that as I do this more, the better conversations are the times when I don't think about like, what should I talk about? Or I want to talk about this thing. I just go off of what the person is saying and it just goes in a natural direction. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's the ultimate state of dancing too, eh? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's all I work on now. Because <laughs> I never <laughs> I never did that when I first started out. I don't know about you. Maybe it's the same kind of thing. Like you try and freestyle, but you don't really get freestyle. Like mm -hmm. you just think like, oh yeah, just listen to the music and and do and move and stuff. But like you can't do that unless you've thought about the dance and thought about what it means, what it actually means to freestyle. And yeah, you can't do it if you haven't trained your body enough, trained your movement enough. You can't do it if you have don't have enough experience of like, mm -hmm. you know, you got to experience things to know like, well, what the hell is freestyle? What is dancing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, I think I have experienced it a few times. Yeah, I think. At a certain point, but it's, it's, like you say, it's hard to have it. Yeah. Well, I really think it's 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 so rare because like everything has to match up. Like it's yeah. not just you. It's not just your mentality. It has like the venue and the music and the people that you're with or something like that. Like for those moments, like everything just kind of has to line up and then and you don't you weren't like trying to get it it just kind of happens sometimes yeah and then you know those are like the most special moments i think yeah well maybe this is just a random thought but that's why in a lot of culture they have a ceremony so they can come to that state like you know they have a certain setup and like mm -hmm. certain music yeah yeah that's true yeah. And like dancing, of course, like I, I honestly think dancing, you know, from ancient time in every culture, dancing was used as a, you know, tool for like special communication or like spiritual. Yeah. Well, I don't even know the word for that. Well, but. I, I don't know about you, but like when you, when you have those, those kind of moments where you're really, like freestyling or whatever like it really feels like everything disappears and like mm -hmm. you know yeah you hear the music and you can see people and you can think see what you're doing and you can even you know you're thinking and stuff like that but it's the kind of thing of like you're thinking but you're not thinking at the exact same mm -hmm. time like your mind is blank but things are coming to you and it's kind of like you get put into this state where yeah, maybe those thoughts are always coming, but normal days, like your, your brain is automatically blocking them or something. Cause if, if it didn't do that, then you would just have too many thoughts. Right. And maybe for some people, that's what reality is like. And they don't, they're not comfortable <laughs> with life, but, but you know, when you get into those states, like, probably like flow states or whatever you know it's like uh these things are coming and your mind is in a place where it can just 
receive them and like let it go for however long it goes and when it's done it's done and you just move on and you don't hold on to like oh but i wanted to do more of that move and you just kind of like accept that it's finished and okay i'm gonna move on to this thing it's kind of like uh like the idea of impermanence in 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 japanese culture too right yeah, that see, that's like totally like Zen question, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we there is an answer, but like we can't teach each other. Like, you just have to experience it. Yeah, not right. That people are experiencing it. Yeah, but like, yeah, those times. Uh, this is what I wanted to get at. Like those times, do you kind of feel like, like? you know not like oh i'm enlightened or whatever but kind of like you had a, a some spiritual moment or something like that yeah i think so i actually think yeah, so right? it's like yeah i i don't even know the right term like it's the best yeah. thing i can think of is spiritual it's not like yeah. uh, enlightenment or i met god or something but just something no. <laughs> Like really, like being in the moment, like yeah, you know, really, you know, be there kind of thing. Like, like I think you really explained it well. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's a, that's a tough thing. Like with a lot of you know breaking, or like I guess in life in general, like we might be talking about the. We we might be using the same words but talking about the different things and we yeah. never know and yeah yeah so that's why you gotta experience it I guess so yeah 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 well that's a good spot to finish I think yeah that, that what happened after you talked for like what two hours <laughs> two hours no <laughs> maybe almost yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good message to leave the people, the person. <laughs> I joked that the only one person <laughs> watching. I hope there's more than that, but I don't know. But uh, yeah, you know, um, you want to reach enlightenment. You want to meet. You want to meet God. Well, <laughs> nothing, nothing to it but to do it. Don't think about yeah. it. Just do it. <laughs> you just gotta. Go for it. Experience for it. it. Experience it and just learn to be. Learn to be. Yeah. 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 You have any last words that you want to <laughs> leave people with? You can say whatever you want to say. It's up to you. Oh, I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have yeah. to be doesn't have to be like some message but i mean like uh you can talk about you can say yeah check out my <laughs> if you come to japan let me know and uh you, i'll hook you up with a tour <laughs> of kyoto <laughs> oh okay i i i've done all different things but again like i'm still a student like i'm still learning many different things so i thought you know we can discipline each other to get to higher states 
That sounds and, like some S and M kind of like let's discipline each other <laughs> and get to higher states. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Culture right there too, right? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. A whole different story about Japanese culture, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, anyway. but, yeah like if you come to Kyoto, I'm always down to I don't know session with you. Well, like, yeah, like I, as I say, like I'm, you know, always touring everywhere in Kyoto. And yeah, oh, during this coronavirus thing, like my new project, I am actually making an audio tour. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, like with this app, um, it's called Voice Map. Mm -hmm. It's actually a pretty cool technology, like you can use this app and it's kind of i don't fully understand yet but it's like a google map and it's just like oh, turn this okay. on and you don't have to have your cell phone in your hand you just like put it away mm. and the audio will play and it totally gives you the directions and as you walk the gps will trigger the audio oh that's really cool yeah so like it's pretty interesting yeah, so I'm making a lot of like different audio tours like that. That's really cool. Yeah, so yeah, when I'm when I complete it, I will advertise it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, can't do it now. Yeah. But it's something that's on the horizon for you. Yeah. And you can experience this cool technology of uh, yeah, this thing knowing where you are and then triggering some audio to play and this kind of thing and then you know high technology and cool advanced stuff and then you can go squat down in one of those old toilets in japan <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah well like kyoto or japan is oh i guess it's like all different countries the same thing but like i would say especially japan it's totally different when you know a little bit of like background and like little history and culture. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to you yeah, share some of that so you can really enter Japan. Yeah. 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 So if you go, let them know. I'll maybe I'll put some uh contact kind of info or something. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> I don't know how many people will watch this, but <laughs> I hope yeah. I hope some people will check it out. Anyway. Yeah, this is uh, the third time that we're. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to end it right there. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Thanks, Makun, for taking the time out of your, well, your day to, to do this and, and chat with me and share your stories and experiences with everyone else. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Okay, peace everybody. Right, peace. Peace. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider supporting on my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash razzyf2. That's R-A-Z-Z-Y-F-2. 
This also goes towards supporting my YouTube channel where I make tutorials and discussion videos. And you can find that at www.youtube.com slash RazzyF2RAZZYF2. Supporting on Patreon puts your name in the credits of the videos as a supporter, gives you access to a private Discord server where you can connect with fellow members, and gives you access to the full video versions of each podcast. I also offer private coaching there, so if that's something you're interested in, it's available. Once again, thank you for listening and look forward to the next one. Peace.